funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. Welcome to another episode of the Silver Screen Video with your host, Jonathan and Jacob. Yeah, so uh, I'm not even going to ask you how you're doing. I'm not going to ask you how you're doing for a couple of reasons. One, I don't want to. Okay. Two, you never ask me how I'm doing. So I just like I feel like you don't care how I'm doing. So I'm not going to ask you how you're doing, even though deep down I do care. Um. Okay, good. Glad we covered all that. You know what? That felt like a one-sided conversation. And it's hurtful, but whatever. Well, you didn't ask me a question. You didn't ask me how I was doing, so I didn't feel like I was, you know, I didn't feel like I should have told you, you know? You didn't want to hear it. So. You know what? A proper person would have responded with, oh, no, man, I hate that you feel that way. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, no, it's, man. It's, it's too really... late now. Don't, oh, don't do that. Okay. It's too right. late. It's over. <laughs> that ship is sailed. All right. All right. All um, right. Guys, we are doing part two. David. Fincher. And I can't tell you how excited my co-host is for this. He was literally saying <laughs> moments before we started recording, God, I'm so glad you picked David Fincher. Doing two episodes on him has made my month. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I just, I don't know. We'll get into it. But boy, have we devoted a lot of time and effort into a director who doesn't really require all that time and effort to get your head around i'll just say that yeah i'll tell you you know just to 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 rehash a little bit of what i said last week um i am finding now that i finish this you know kind of remake kind of revisit on some of them other like for instance on this episode i watched two fincher movies i had never seen before um Mm. so the the great the great side of fincher is untouched because I still think those movies that I thought that were great heading into this, they're still great. They're still fucking awesome. Right. But his overall body of work just feels a little weaker to me now that I've, that I've revisited some and whatnot. So um, it's been interesting. I do think that he is such a, he's kind of ingrained, you know, in the movie world and the zeitgeist, whatever you want to say. Um, that I think it's important to kind of have an opinion about him somewhat, just because he has influenced a lot of cinema, specifically in the 2000s. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and he gets a lot of, you know, he gets a lot of buzz around kind of cinephile circles. You know what I mean? And I think some of that is justified, and I think others is you know, it's, it's completely unjustified, which, you know, we'll get into, but, um, yeah, I don't know. He, he's a, re- all jokes aside, he is an interesting filmmaker to talk about, um, simply because, it, you know, you think this guy's career is going one way and he's turning out to be some kind of, you know, modern master and then he's maturing and, you know, all this. And then it's like, Oh, it, actually, no, you know, um, so yeah, I don't know. How, how do you want to go about this? How do you want to start? Well, I figured we'll just we'll go in order like we did. You know, we we last last week we we kind of finished up with uh with our part one, 
uh, by covering, I believe, his first movie in the uh, in the third. Yes, his, yes, two thousand two Panic Room, hmm. um, which was his follow up after Fight Club. So his next one after Panic Room would would come along. Actually, five years later, he did a pretty famous commercial, if I remember correctly, kind of short film, whatever, with Brad Pitt. Um, outside of that, he did a couple of music videos and, um, he gave us Zodiac hmm. and, you know, for, you know, in case some people out there haven't seen Zodiac or anything about it, it's essentially just, it's, it's something that covers a large chunk of time about the identity of the Zodiac killer that to this day is unknown. Like clearly the movie tells you, you know, that what the facts are. And you can do with those what you will. But the Zodiac Killer has always been an interesting case if you are into serial killers, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're much higher on the, the the horse, so to speak, than I am for this movie. So I'll let you lead. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised by that. I thought we were kind of on the same page with this, but I guess maybe We not. were until um, this revisit. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm not um, saying it's like a bad movie now. I don't have any kind of crazy hot take. I just, you know, it's not as good as I remembered it being. Well, I, um, yeah, I mean, this, I think, is the movie that really propelled Fincher into a kind of pantheon, you know, because, you know, coming off Panic Room, it was like, all right, what, what kind of director is this guy? And then Zodiac comes out and is essentially universally loved. I mean, um, and I... I, I count myself among those who universally admire it. I mean, I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's it's Fincher's uh, first masterpiece um, in his career up to this point, um, and I think vaulted him onto another level. I don't I don't think this movie could be any better. There's no better version of this movie hiding somewhere. There's nothing um, There's nothing left out. There's no thematic stone that should have been, you know, overturned. Or there's nothing about this movie that feels um, like anything's missing from it, you know? And I think, um, you know, Fincher likes to make movies about the dark elements of, of human behavior, but like often in a way that is kind of, uh, very juvenile, you know, I've talked about the spacey killer and seven, you know, about, you know, um, you know, like, uh, Fincher kind of, thinking that this spacey killer is not, is the most interesting man in the world or whatever, which it would be fine if you, if you made him the most interesting man in the world, you know, like Hannibal Lecter is also treated like that, but he is far more interesting than Spacey's killer. I think, um, Hey, Hey, Spacey had some good points. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you have a, do you have a poster of, of, of Spacey saying, you know, I don't know, some inane bullshit above your computer desk or something. I can neither confirm nor deny that I'm currently looking at a Kevin Spacey poster from seven. Oh man. Uh, I really wish you denied it (laughs) that I keep hung up in my office for inspiration. Um, Uh, um, but no, I mean, this is, this is, uh, you know, in, 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 in seven Fincher is a guy who's obsessed with serial killers. Zodiac is a movie about a guy who's obsessed with serial killers or maybe about a society that's obsessed with serial killers. And, um, you know, it spans, uh, you know, I don't know what I think it 50- goes from like 1968 to like 1980 something or yeah, it's, it's, I think it's we end up like 20 years. I think we end up in 1980. So, I mean, yeah, you're talking about decades spanning and I mean, yeah. it's a, a true epic in every form of the word. I mean, we get, 
you know, three different kind of main characters we get, you know, or I guess, I guess it's kind of a two hander almost with the newsroom and the police and, you know, Gyllenhaal is the main character in the newsroom. And then, um, uh, Mark Ruffalo is the main police character and dude, I don't even know where to start with this movie. I mean, there's so many good scenes and so many, there's some great terrifying scenes of where this, the, we get to see the Zodiac kill people and it's, it's not, it's not romantic and fun. You know, there's no glee taken in it. It really is genuinely horrifying, especially the scene by the lake, which I think remains one of the just kind of most coldly disturbing uh, kill scenes in any movie ever, I think. Um, and, uh, there's just so many little details and stuff that are so, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. Just playing, just acting his absolute soul out with this pretty small part, relatively speaking for, you know, this was a year before um, his Renaissance with Iron Man. He became the biggest movie star on the planet. Um, You know, and then we have, this is a character actor's feast. There are an absolute shit ton of, just character actors, just dudes, just wearing short sleeve white t-shirts and just going about their everyday business and talking about jurisdiction. And did you send these photos over here? Well, no. Who sent those photos over here? Like so much of the plot is wrapped up in the fact that it was impossible to communicate with each other on a basic level back then, you know? Um, Man, I just I just love this movie. I mean, I think it is about, you know, these kind of dark evil deeds and how you can't really ever get to the center of it. You know, you can't, you know, kind of true detective You never really you can circle it. You can look at it from a bunch of different angles, but you can't ever really even if they were to catch the Zodiac killer. What could he say anything that would make it all make sense? No, like there's, you know, th- th- this type of shit is never going to make sense. You know, it just, it, it, it's, um, you know, I don't know. I think this movie is absolutely brilliant. I didn't know Fincher had this in him. Looking back, I still can't believe he had this in him. Uh, looking at some of the, his work since, um, I don't know. I, I've talked along. This is a masterpiece. I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts now? I'm surprised that they tempered a little bit there during this last viewing because mine just got even stronger. Well, it's a great movie. And I enjoyed it as much as you can enjoy a movie like this. Um, and and I do agree, character actors, so such such a great cast. You know, it 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 looks good. It has that Fincher style, that Fincher lighting, all the things that we have come to expect at this point in his career. It really um, feels like the seventies too. Like you yeah, really he, in, in a gritty really way, a not job. in a Hollywood way. But you know, you know, I watched seven. And I watched Summer of Sam before I watched Zodiac. Hmm. And I like both of those movies a lot more. Hmm. And it's not because Zodiac's a bad movie, obviously. I think it just comes down to personal taste. Um, you know, Zodiac does something that I really, really hate. And it it jumps around so much. Right. And that's not like, I'm not going to blame my like dislike for it on the movie. Like, the movie is not confusing. It tells you, it lays out what's going on. It's not trying to, to be something that is confusing. Um, but I don't know. My, my favorite part of it, honestly, is when probably the last like third of it, 45 minutes, give or take, maybe 
is when Gyllenhaal gets the takeover mm-hmm. and he becomes like obsessed with it. And he's beating on Ruffalo's door in the middle of the night. And like, in my opinion, I like the, the lake scene is disturbing. I get it. But when it comes to like just fear, like increasing heart rate type of fear, uh, when Gyllenhaal goes to his house, mm-hmm. that is one of the best segments in the entire film. Like, yep. um, so I don't know, man. I just, I feel like the movie is really good, but it's missing, it's missing something for me. It's missing a vital piece that would make me be like, this is brilliant. Like I can definitively say this is Fincher's best movie. Cause if I was making my own Fincher ranking rankings, this would probably be like four. I mean, wow. Um, so, and I think I'm in the minority. I feel, I, I know this movie has a huge following. So I have no hot takes. I'm not trying to be a contrarian. It's just of of the movies that I love more than this. I really love those movies like a lot. Hmm. So I don't. Yeah, know. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what there is left to say about this movie. I mean, it's just to me this this movie is perfect in every way, and like it just he man, did such a good job with the pacing. Like you yeah. never really feel bored, and right. I think that's kind of a testament to like kind of a fact driven journalism movie yeah. because in my opinion this is a journalist movie way more than it is like a police procedural i think and, so too yeah and he really he manages to nail both which i I do find to be impressive from a narrative aspect like the fact that he was able to balance it is really impressive um yeah and the the yeah no you're right and it's like the performances are so I think this is Gyllenhaal's best performance. I mean, you know, whenever he's trying to be tough Gyllenhaal, it's like, like this is why I always thought it was, I, I mean, I joke about Prisoners, even though I think it's a good movie. About I was about to and, say, please, please just don't bring up Prisoners. I, <laughs> let's just have a good episode. I don't want to argue about Prisoners. Well, I just like, you know, like big, tough Gyllenhaal. It's just like, dude, that is, that's not Gyllenhaal. The Jake Gyllenhaal, it's like playing, to, like we live in this world where like, celebrities can just become like basically roided out freaks, you know, and completely change their like, you know, physical, like imagine if that had happened to Jimmy Stewart, let's say in 1951, you know, and all of a sudden Jimmy Stewart is just a, a roided out maniac, you know, like this is Gyllenhaal, you know, this is, this is the perfect Gyllenhaal role, man. The, the, an outsider, a little bit of a weirdo, you know, like, um, you know, boy scout, you know, like it just, his look and his face, you know, like it just, I don't know. I think this is the perfect Gyllenhaal performance. And, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just a great fucking movie. All the details and all the, they're hanging out at the bar and the, you know, he's drinking the big blue drink and he's like, if you tried it, you wouldn't make fun of me, you know, cut to Downey. I like with like five empty bottles of that drink, you know, like, that was a I don't great know. Thing. It's just such a great, such a great movie. So many little tossed off details. And like his other, like another movie that he made uh, around this time, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, it's a procedural that's focused on the procedure, right? On the actual looking of documents, copying of documents, you know, making phone calls, talking to so-and-so, driving down to Sacramento, you know, like, like. There's a great thing where it's like, uh, oh, Sacramento's two hours away. Oh, is it? Okay. 
I'm going to have to go down there and then I'm going to have to drive up here. And then I'm going to, you know, the fucking legwork, the, the, the bullshit that you have to deal with in order to, you know, uh, solve these really evil problems in a quote unquote civilized society, right? Like, okay, how do we go about solving this and finding out who did it because we need to punish them or we need to remove them so they can't kill any more people. Well, it takes a lot of bullshit. It takes a lot of bureaucracy. It takes a lot of legwork to make sure we don't arrest the wrong person, to make sure we don't put innocent people in jail. You know what I mean? Like, these are the costs of civilization, the costs of living in a free society. And we get to see the press and um, the police, you know, go through each and every one of these procedures and roadblocks. And, and like, there's a great quote where the guy's like, um, who do you have other than this guy? Cause this guy's not the Zodiac. And he's like, I don't know, 2,300 people. And he's like, okay, get to work. And it's like, I mean, like, obviously the Ruffalo is mad whenever he says that, but like, what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, it, Oh yeah. It, it's you, you have to, if, unless you're going to like, just start gunning people down for no reason and just be like, well, hope he got the Zodiac killer. This is the kind of bullshit you have to do in a civilized society. You know, like it's, um, I don't know. I just think it's such a fascinating movie about the procedure of trying to wrap your head and your hands around this this big, you know, evil thing that's out there doing this. And at the end of the day, you can't. You know, like I said, even if you were to catch him, what would that what would that really do? I mean, maybe it would save one or two more lives, but like it wouldn't explain it it wouldn't get to the root cause of why this guy was the way he was to begin with, you know, um, it wouldn't fix the lives of the family members of the people he's killed. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's dust in the wind at that point. Um, anyways, I'll shut up about Zodiac. I think it's a great movie. And I also, I blame this movie for giving me higher expectations of David Fincher. Like I look back at this and I'm like, it's your fucking fault. It's your fucking fault. I thought this guy was a great director. I mean, We'll get to it because we have one to cover first, but I, I disagree. I think it's kind of crazy to not put Social Network in the same league as Zodiac if you hold it up that highly. Um, but but I, I, real, I will finish up with my thoughts on Zodiac, which is I agree with everything you said. I love that aspect. This movie feels so old school, and it really, really does not avoid the minutiae. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, it, mm-hmm. it really gets bogged down, and I really appreciate that because it's not boring. He did it in a way that made it somewhat thrilling. Yeah. Shows, so, us, shows us the newspaper articles. Like, you know, yeah. it, it's. I mean, the pacing and the editing was just really for a movie that's two hours and 40 something minutes. He he um, he he also doesn't focus, which this is where I, I'm, this is where I'm really surprised. He doesn't get lost in the exploitation. Like there's some yep. graphic scenes, you know, that scene where he stabs him to death by the lakes, pretty bad. The shooting in the beginning, that's pretty bad. Um, but I mean, he, he really doesn't fall into what I figured Fincher would be susceptible to, which is showing that gratuitousness, you know, yes. but he really limits it. So, and I think, yeah. I think it makes it scarier. And in, in oh, absolutely. Way. It felt um, very much like, um, like a stranger's vibe, like just a really disturbing, yes act of random violence kind of thing. There's a great moment where, where um, at the very beginning, the girl, uh, when I say girl, I, I guess she was married. I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, she looked. She looked like she was. I couldn't figure that out. That dude was so ugly and looked like he was like in ninth grade. I didn't know what was going. On. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was two kids. You know, I don't know. It's such a weird. Yeah, because then she he said, "Is that your husband?" I was like, "Husband." Um, yeah, but... he was. He was definitely punching above his weight class. <laughs> well, there's a great moment where he goes, you know, because because it's established that she is more experienced than him and she has the upper hand. Or, or just is wearing the pants in the relationship, I guess, whatever. And he um, he looks over at her and he goes, should I get out of the car and say something? Should, should I get out and say something to him? And she just goes, stay in the car. And like, just that line, like, <laughs> like, just that, like, okay, the adult in the room is scared. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, like, just that is all it takes to put a chill down your spine, you know? Like, and that's, I think, goes along with what you're saying. There's nothing really, he's not rubbing our faces in it like he does in some of his other movies. It's, it's, it's careful and it's subtle. Um, and one of the last, last thing I'll say, I don't think it's any accident that this may be his most personal movie. I mean, I guess Mank maybe technically, but for different reasons, but like, this is his most, the, the, the movie that Hugh's closest to his personal experience because he did experience this as a child. You know, write what you know, folks. Like it's it's it really is good advice because he this one came from the heart. He grew up in this area around this time and was terrified as a kid of the Zodiac Killer. And he's basically recreating that on screen for all of us. And I think I think it's no accident. This is one of his most effective movies because it is so personal. You know, Uh, this is off topic of of zodiac but since you said that it reminded me i believe it was texarkana like somewhere in arkansas about the that killer that i don't think he was ever caught but don't hold me to that about the the town that dreaded sundown was based on him Mm. uh yeah i had some family that was around texarkana when that shit was going on apparently that was fucking nuts dude that's because this dude's just got a sack on his head running around murdering people dude do you think it was lead paint there's a lot of there's a that's a theory out there that it was lead paint that we don't have as many serial killers as we used to because there was a everybody was huffing lead paint for years i don't know there's a lot of theories out there but i do find you know obviously like anyone with a brain uh serial killers are just so i don't know man there's just something so bizarre about them like we don't understand them we don't know what made the zodiac do what he did um yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's weird, and it's well, and there's so much more unknown. There's how many of them were actually his? How many was he faking? Like, to my knowledge, we still haven't proved all this shit definitively. You know, like, which is nuts <laughs> when you think about it. You know, um, the Zodiac killer could be out there right now, folks. Uh, he's probably dead. Let's be. He real. could be murdering people at his retirement. <laughs> he probably got got during COVID. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know, you know, the Zodiac's not vaxxed, dude. <laughs> Uh, what if he's, what if we found out the Zodiac, like not only like did he live longer than we thought, but like, he's like a hardcore liberal, like, Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd, that'd be hilarious. MSNBC. Uh, he's like arguing about like uh, pronouns and stuff online, <laughs> you know, they're like, you know what? You brutally murdered a lot of people, but you're all right. You're an all right uh, guy now. Remember he's Ted, <laughs> Donald Trump says he's Ted Cruz's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that that old boondoggle? Thankfully, I do not remember. I did not even know that happened, but it's hilarious. Yeah, uh, dude, on the fucking. I mean, that, this is a whole other conversation. But yeah, dude, on the fucking re- debate stage, 
Trump was like, and his dad's a Zodiac killer, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, that is fucking nuts. Yeah, dude. His wife's ugly. His dad's a Zodiac killer. He's a loser. (laughs) Uh, Anyways. So, okay. This next one. I had never seen, as we talked about last week, and I watched The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. And oh, what a curious case it is. I sat down, I I put it on, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have an open mind, and I'm going to watch this shit. And uh, I I absolutely loved it. It's fantastic. Fantastic. I loved it. I I loved almost everything about it. There's only really two issues that I have with it. Two two issues that are that are pretty pretty significant issues. Not not mind. I love I love it despite these two problems, dude. I love everything, dude. When he's working on a tugboat, like you know, with with Jared Harris, man, who's like one of the coolest dudes ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so sad when he got killed. Um, anyway, guys, for those of you that don't know, Curious Case Benjamin Button plays uh, Brad Pitt plays a guy who's kind of fucked up. And he's born old, and he dies as he gets older, like we all do. It was just backwards, essentially. Um, yeah, but way. still, when he gets older and turn, like, shouldn't he have been a full-grown baby at the end? I don't. I. I. That's. I don't know because, like, if you when you start, okay, if you, I don't want to get bogged down in this because there's a lot. Oh no, let's down. get bogged down in but, the curious but, case okay, of Benjamin. Button. So if. So if he's going to get smaller, okay, like, you know, for instance, he's a kid, they find him, they call her, okay, why wasn't he born an adult old man? You know, why didn't the fucking, you know, buck 40, 90-year-old man crawl out? (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, that's what I'm saying, okay? So, like, okay, the size is going to match up to whatever his actual chronological age is, right? That's what we're led to believe because he's a tiny baby. Yeah. So why was he a tiny old man? Exactly. Like why? Why was he a tiny old man? If he's a tiny old man when he's born, he should have been a you know six foot tall baby when he died. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but like I'm I'm being pedantic, of course. But it's also like, dude, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna do the movie, fucking do it, Fincher. Like, you know what I mean? Let's have that six foot tall baby at the end of this shit. Why not? So, so while, while I do think that I don't want to, I don't want to like get too lost in that because in all seriousness, I did enjoy the movie. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And, and that is a bit, whatever, it's annoying, but two things though, I think Brad Pitt was severely miscast, like mm, just like so badly miscast. Yeah. Uh, and I did not like the back and forth of the old woman in the hospital, you know, with, with the hurricane and like they're reading his journals did not like that at all. Brutal. I thought that it, I thought it really, that's the thing. I didn't read it as brutal. I didn't read it as, I didn't read it as, um, Oh man, this is really making me sad or it's really affecting the story. I thought it was actually kind of hurting the story. I don't, I don't think it accomplished what they thought it was going to accomplish. No, that's what I meant by brutal. Like it's like, oh, okay. I, like it's, I meant like boring, like it, where it's yeah, like, like, th- like it really fucks the pacing up, dude. Yep. Yep. Completely. Cause every time they cut back to it, you're like, ah, what are we, what is this? You know? But my biggest, biggest issue that actually does pertain to the story and not issues like, like, you know, this kind of whatever Brad Pitt being miscast, whatever it happens. Um, why did he have to go back? In the third act, towards the end of the movie, he left 
you know, he's like, I don't want you to have to worry about me and our kid. She deserves a better father. So he leaves. And then he comes back. Right. And it's like, what? this completely undercuts your sacrifice. Right. It makes no sense. So now you've come back. You've destroyed her. Just absolutely destroyed her. She's like, oh, you're young. So the, the movie, this movie plays with the themes of age and old and, and what it means to lose people around you and, and all this shit. And then you, you get this sacrifice of him leaving. So, so then he comes back and not only does that just really not make any sense, then he he's back in the area and lo and behold, he's a fucking burden on her. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just don't understand. That was like, and I'm sure that follows the book. I've never read it, nor am I going to. Um, okay. Let me, let me throw this out there right now. Well, first of all, okay. first of all, you're a hundred percent right. Like I, I had the time, I have the timeline here. He leaves to go do his little traveling and all that shit in the seventies. Right. We don't know exactly what year it is. It's just in the seventies. He comes back in 1980. So at the very most, he gave her nine years, but he could have gave her two years. Like we don't actually know how long it was. Yeah. But also he didn't have to fucking leave at all. Right. Exactly. you could have just stayed until shit kind of starts to get bad. It's kind of like the old thing of like, you tell your spouse, Hey, if I get like Alzheimer's or something, just like help me check out, you know, right. cause I don't want to, cause I don't want to fucking be a burden or whatever, but he leaves when shit's still good. Right. Right. And then comes back when, well, he comes back before they start to get bad, but no, you're right, dude. It's, it's it completely undercuts the quote, like the, it's one of those things where it's like, we got to have a plot, you know, we, we got to have a, a, a like a, a big moment in the movie where something happens. And so let's have him leave for, cause he won't be a good dad. Cause he's got Benjamin button disease. And it's like, what? Like that doesn't make any sense. Anyways. But, um, but, but not now that I've said all that, I do want to say the themes that this movie plays with and what it does really just, it, 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 I, it checked the boxes for me. You know, I I'm a big fan of these movies where someone leaves it to kind of find themselves and they end up in these crazy situations like in fucking Germany or, or fighting on a tugboat and in the war and, and working with these characters and this guy kind of taking them under his wing, like, and, and just the curiosity that you saw, I thought they really nailed the visuals oddly enough. Because like it's this old man, but like this this childlike curiosity. The only scene where I was a little uncomfortable, which is difficult to make me uncomfortable, very, uh, actually. But <laughs> when he when she wait when the little girl when Kate Blanchett wakes him up in the middle of the night and she's like, "Hey, come check this out," and the mom like catches them downstairs, and she's like, "You can't be down here with her. What are you doing?" And it's like, look, they could have left this scene out. This was a little weird. (laughs) Because I'm sorry. Let's look at it through the eyes of the mother. And it's like, "Eh, this this fucking 65-year-old dude's down here with with her. Three in the morning. (laughs) What's going on over here? Oh, man. Well, okay. I want to say this. The the book is not a book. It's a short story. And it's like 10 pages long. (laughs) Oh, wow. He really... He really milked that, didn't he? Dude, he 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 made like literally he everything that happens in the in the short story happens plus like two hours worth of content. Like, 
<laughs> like it's like it's like when uh Spike Jones, I think, made that where the wild things are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie. And it's like, hey, isn't this book like 10 pages or 15 pages? Or some <laughs> right. What are you gonna do for the rest of the time? You know? Um I I'll say this. <laughs> Dude, my favorite, my favorite line reading of this whole thing, and I think Brad Pitt is misca. I think you're right, he's misca because the whole time you're waiting for Brad Pitt to show up, you know, like I, I, at least I was like, you know, you're like, when, when the fuck is Brad Pitt going to get here? You know, like, like yeah. the real, the real Brad Pitt, like, come on, you know, like if you're going to cast a movie star, let's come on, let's do it. You know, um, but my favorite line reading and I cannot, dude, I, it was in the trailer uh, for this movie. And so I just remember it from the trailers too. There's like, he's like, at some kind of like tent revival meeting or something. And they're like, how old are you? And he just goes seven. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Dude, it's insane. The way he says the word seven is like, it's not like an old man. It's like somebody who's never spoken a word of English before, like, or any language whatsoever. Like, He's just like seven. Like his throat opened for the first time ever. Um, I was not a fan of his. Of his accent for most of this movie, if I'm being honest. <laughs> dude, it's we're in we're in bozo mode with this accent, dude. With this uh yeah, with this wild accent. You know, I dude, I, I don't have a lot of nice things to say about this movie. I think there's a good movie buried in here. But I also think I think it's flawed in concept and execution. I'm not sure there's a good movie to be made about somebody with Benjamin Button's disease. Like I th- I think he I I'll say Fincher did the best he could because I agree on paper this doesn't work this shouldn't have been made but I do think I think he nailed it but also I'll say in my opinion this is the least Finchery of all Fincher movies mm, yeah. like and and I, and I don't even think it's close especially when you look at his like Zodiac it's sandwiched between Zodiac the Social Network and Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I mean, what about what about Mank? You think? I mean, I, well, I guess I would say both Mank and this are both kind of uncharacteristic. Um, I would say Mank's closer to Finch than than this. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, man, this movie is really just out of left a fucking field, man. Um, I'm glad I, you enjoyed I it. Believe, I can't believe how much I liked it. I honestly am a little baffled. I'm a little baffled by by not only how much I liked it, but how much it kind of struck me. I'm glad you liked it, man. I really am because, you know, you don't want to spend three hours doing something and hate every second of it. I didn't hate every second of it. I think there's stuff to like in this movie. I like that big clock, you know, like <laughs> that's may sound like faint praise, but I don't know. It's in the movie. I like no, it. it. It definitely is faint praise. It's like, <laughs> hey, Fincher, Benjamin Button. I like the clock. I like the clock. Yeah. Hey, Fincher. Clock, go fuck I liked yourself. it. <laughs> um. But no, I was going to say, I think there's a little a little bit of tenet in here where it's like, and I always wonder, like, do they get going on these projects? And they're like, ah, fuck, this isn't anything, is it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't tell the studio. We're already a hundred million in. Finish right. the fucking thing. Right. Like, I don't know. I just like, I can't imagine. I can't imagine making this movie and just not taking a second and being like, wait a second is this the dumbest fucking idea anybody's ever had for a movie ever? Like Fincher's like in the bathroom, putting water on his face, like looking in the mirror saying, this is not the dumbest fucking movie I've ever made. <laughs> this is good. not the dumbest thing I've seen. This is a good movie and we're going to go out there and we're going to finish it. It's a good idea. It's a good movie and I'm going to direct it. Um, 
but this is one of those movies though, a hundred percent. And it happens occasionally. It's happened on this podcast. Um, where I can't tell you why it's, why it's good. I can tell you why it's good to me, but I can't tell you why it's good. And I can't tell you why you should like it. I really can't. It's just one of those movies. Like I did not expect to enjoy it, but I'm sorry. I am seldom, seldomly sold on love stories and movies. I am not a big, I'm not a big love story fan in film. Like, you know, unless it's like old Hollywood where they, where they tend to really nail it more so. But I was a hundred percent sold the middle chapter where they kind of give us this voiceover kind of a montage, but not really where they're, you know, they sell the house after his mom dies and, and, um, they're like, you know, sleeping on the mattress and they don't really get a lot of furniture. And up until she gets, when she gets pregnant, I really did like that segment. It was very reminiscent of like how much I enjoyed the opening of up. I'm not saying it's anywhere near as good. I'm just telling you that's something to compare it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have a hard time with the love story. I, Cause I do think it is like a tenant thing where it's like, where it's like, okay. Like, like, okay. So, so science fiction, right. Is, or fantasy, whatever, you know, speculative fiction is supposed to give us outrageous scenarios that relate to our life in one way or another. Right. But there's no, there's no way, there's no way this love story can resonate because they're facing a dilemma that no other couple in the history of the world has ever faced. Right. Like, well, I think what it represents can resonate. I think the fact that, that there is like, to be honest with you, if you really want to get down to it, you could, you could make the same case for like some type of disease, degenerative disease, um, Alzheimer's okay. or, or okay. MS no, or, that's or something like that. I, I guess, you know, that's fair. I guess I'm thinking more about like him, look, him just kind of looking at her and being like, so uh, I'm, I'm going to just age and be a little baby, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's not a, that's not something every couple has to really deal with. So it's kind of hard to universalize, but I do get your point about the, yeah, there is a kind of thing there with like chronic disease or like, you know, dementia, that type of thing. So no, you're right about that. I'm, but, but I will yeah. tell you when when he says I'm I need to go because I don't want you to have to worry about taking care of both of us. My brain was immediately like, she's gonna have to change your fucking diaper and change the kid's diaper. <laughs> <laughs> it, who who cannot relate to that? You know. <laughs> um, and by the way, his accent, Forrest Gump, kind of. I don't know. It was off putting. It was <laughs> it was it was disturbing. <laughs> He's got a little Forrest Gump to him, like I think. Like that, that, I don't know. At least that's what, uh, there was just a little bit of kind of like, I don't know, a little bit of, a little bit of, a little bit of gump to him. That was, I don't know, man. What a weird ass movie this is. It is. Yeah. I agree with that. It is fucking weird. It is a weird movie. It's a movie that I, oddly enough, I will watch it again. Um, but it will not be, it will not be with a group. It won't be a thing like guys, we're going to put on Benjamin button tonight. (laughs) Buckle up. I'll watch it by myself, you know, and, right. and I'll enjoy it. But that's it. Well, more power to you. I'm glad you liked it because, you know, three hours is a long time to waste on a bad movie, which is something that I did uh, with it. So, you know. Uh, so you didn't get any joy out of it second time around or this time I around mean, at all? I, I, visually, there is some cool stuff. I do think there, and I do think there is kind of a broad Hollywood, like old Hollywood romanticism that is kind of appealing, but. 
I just feel like then the movie just kind of steps on its toes. And again, dude, it's, it's really hard for me. And I would say for anyone to like a movie with a real flawed concept, you know, like it's almost like the train has exploded before you even get to the station. You know, at least that's how I feel. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe I'm, I'm sure there are movies with really insane concepts that I still like, but I'm, none of them's coming to mind right now. Um, well, I'll tell you what I like to think on a more positive note is I like to think that everyone's got a little Benjamin Button in them, you know? Oh, absolutely. And we all know what that means. <laughs> and we all we all love it. And it's relevant to everybody. That's such a nice thought. So so we've got Benjamin Button in 2008. And then two years later, we get, I think, what most people would say is his best movie. Hmm. You may disagree with that. I, I don't think it's his best movie, but I sure do love it. Um, social network. I have seen this movie probably 10 times. I, I love it so much. I think Jesse Eisenberg is just absolutely amazing playing the weird fucked up alien species Zuckerberg. Um, he, uh, I think Fincher sums up the 2000, like I said last last week, you know, I think he sums up the 2000s with this. I think I think Fight Club in '99 really hammered home the '90s and and all that. We already we covered that extensively, and I think this really hit like what social media, what Facebook was just the tip of the iceberg of, and what it represented. And um, this movie holds up. You know, obviously I didn't have to watch it again for this episode, but I chose to because it's like I fuck, I'll watch it again, whatever. Uh, it holds up in every way for me. I think it, I think it's, I think I feel about this movie, how you feel about Zodiac. Hmm. Yeah, I will. Um, I've got a take here. Um, Oh, is it a hot take? I, you know, I don't know how hot it is. You'll have to be the judge. Cause I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a hot take. I don't think it's hot. It, it's, you know, it's uh, lukewarm. Um, okay. lukewarm take. You heard it here first. <laughs> Buckle up. We got a lukewarm take coming right down the pike. Um, all right. So I, I have nothing bad to really say about this movie, right? Okay, I have nothing bad good. to say about this movie. And I do think there are some sequences in this movie that are some of the best sequences the Fincher has ever done. Right. Um, the opening sequence with, um, the Trent Reznor music playing, and yeah, yeah, dude, as someone who has like, you know, been in like, you know, some of these like hoity toity Ivy League environments, there is no better representation of what that feels like than the music and the montage at the beginning of this movie, because it it all feels very, very cozy and very cloistered and very, you know, and then there's this underlying thing that you can't put your finger on of dread that there is from the center of this hoity-toity fancy institution is some kind of black uh, demonic force that is going out into the universe right um you know and, and and that is that is the opening of this movie and i think it's extraordinary um I also think the in the Hall of the Mountain King, whenever they're doing the row, uh, the rowboats, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. That is such an incredible sequence. I mean, just the you know how these 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 
you know, uh, high, upper class, you know, muscular men who, you know, in years past would have been knights on the battlefield or whatever. And now they have to uh, win their martial valor on the, you know, their little fancy lads and their little outfits and, and, and rowing boats, you know, like for no reason, really, it was for sport, you know. Um, I don't know. There's just something so incredible about that. Um, Talk about here- falling from grace um, with, oh, with, yeah. with, with him. But, uh, you know, yeah. I cannot think of his fucking name. What's his name? Uh, Army Hammer. Army Hammer. But, dude, I'm sorry. Just like a lot of people. When I saw this, and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. This guy, well, man, I'm sorry. The, the, the line where he says, I'm six foot two and 200 pounds, and there's two of me. Um, <laughs> that's great. That's just such a great line. He was fucking awesome. Who would have thought he was such a little deviant? Yeah, that's uh, well, actually, the first time I saw it, I thought, who are these two fellas? <laughs> I thought that was two of them. You know um, what? Now I don't feel nearly as bad as thinking Charlie Kaufman has an actual brother in adaptation. <laughs> yeah, who are these couple of fellas? These guys got a future ahead of them. That's one guy. Um, uh, but no, I and that's another thing I like about this movie is it, 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 I think this might be the best Aaron Sorkin dialogue has ever existed because Fincher can just tap it down and, and really wring the irony out of it. I don't know. I think it's really incredible anyways. Okay. Back to my lukewarm take. Yeah. So I think this movie, I used to think this movie did a great job of showing, uh, social media and kind of an origin story for the social media era and the web 2.0 and all this other, you know, shit. I used to think this was a great origin story for quote unquote, our world now, right? I used to think that. I don't think that anymore. And I don't think it's, I I, want to say this. I don't think it's necessarily the movie's fault, but I do think it is dated now. And I think it's dated because it doesn't go hard enough (laughs) on this social media thing, right? It becomes- There was no way he could have known. No, I I know that. I know that. But I want to say this. He, of course he couldn't have known, right? I know that. But it is a risk you take when you make a piece of art about something that you know is going to be based on, like, historical contingency, right? Because, like, the Zodiac Killers, you have to expect, if you're David Fincher, for nothing really to come out about the Zodiac Killer after 2007, right? The tale has been told, and now I'm making a movie about it. He made a movie about Facebook five years after Facebook was invented, right? So I don't think it's the biggest fault, right? I don't think there's anything reproachable about this. I don't think there's a bad thing you can really say about the construction, the plot, the acting, anything about this movie. But I do think it is dated, and I do think it doesn't go hard enough. And no, of course he couldn't have known because no one can predict the future. But that is the risk that you take when you make a movie about a time sensitive subject matter, right? That's all, that's all I'm saying is that I don't think the social network is destined to live long into the future because I, we're getting close to where it's going to be real dated in about 10 years or so. Right. So that's all I'm saying. Does that, does that like, is that Fincher's fault? I mean, I don't know, kind of a little bit because he made a movie about such a recent development, but also, not really. He made a great movie. This movie is as good as it possibly could have been. But I do think, I just don't, you know, Zodiac says something about 
obsession and true crime and conspiracy theory and and the darkness of the human condition. Social Network, I don't think, says as much simply because the subject matter is so recent and so new that it's hard to wrap your head around it when you're five years from removed from the invention of something. I mean, can you imagine a movie being made about the magic of cinema in 1910? You know what I mean? Like that, I mean, that really is the comparison that that it would be here. Like, so that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I don't even think, I don't even think that's a demerit. I just think it's just a fact. That's just how, that's just how, you know, that's how history and culture and art works, you know? I mean, clearly I can't disagree with that because it is a fact, you know? Um, but, but I, I, I don't, to me, that doesn't take away from the movie. That doesn't take away from the quality of it or, or, or how good it still is, how well it holds up the pacing, the acting, just the overall, the score. I mean, everything about this movie rocks. And honestly, it has no business being this good. Zuckerberg isn't that interesting. It's true. The tech world isn't that interesting. Mm-hmm. If it was, we would have Snapchat movies. We'll probably get a TikTok movie at some point that's some kind of, fucking high drama shit about it almost getting canceled and like, you know, probably rolling some espionage bullshit. Like at some point we're probably going to get something like that to do with it. But I mean, if, if, if somebody else can make this shit interesting, we would have more of them, you know, in my, if this movie had been made by someone else five, four or five years ago, we would have a MySpace movie, the downfall of Tom, you know, we would have Mm -hmm. a, a Snapchat movie. We would have, Whatever name your pick, your fucking poison because brand movies are all the rage now. But thankfully, mm-hmm. they weren't 14 years ago. Um, so I can't disagree with you, but I in no way would ever hold that against the movie. I think the movie is still, for the most part, pretty flawless. Um, and honestly, like it's not my favorite Fincher movie, but in my opinion, it's probably his best movie. I, I, I do think on paper, this is his best movie. Uh, it, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I don't know, that's just my, I, I guess I'm not holding it against the movie, or, or, you know, maybe I am a little bit, honestly, um, just because it's part and parcel, man. You make a movie about something that happened a couple years ago that it has no signs of stopping. You know, like, if I made a movie about Firefest, it's like, well, I don't I don't think anything's going to happen with Firefest in the future, you know, so I feel pretty safe in making that. But, like, would I make a movie about, uh, you know, virtual apple's virtual reality thing it's like no let's see how that plays out (laughs) let's let's see let's see how many deaths that leads to before i make a movie about it you know Um, yeah but what but i think you can make the argument though to push back on that a little bit you can make the argument this isn't about necessarily like if you made a movie about fire festival which there's two documentaries on it if you're that interested and they're both terrible um i watched one of them i don't know which one but either way this was more about zuckerberg this was more about the human experience of it the man behind the tech more so than it was about the evolution of technology. I think it spoke on the moment, which is a danger, which is a danger. I cannot disagree with what you're saying, but I do think um, Fincher was speaking more about the moment in Zuckerberg and what is happening more so than where it's going to go. I think he hinted at it. I just don't think he hinted at it hard enough. Very similar to what you said. Like he didn't go hard enough on it. Right. Yeah. Cause who could know? I mean, who, who could know where, this whole road would take us, you know, with, with social media and, you know, all, all, just, you know, all of it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, again, I, that's not a, I'm not saying it's a demerit on the movie. I don't think the movie could be any better. Um, but yeah, that's just, and again, I, I thought social network was a masterpiece up until literally this last rewatch. And then I was like, Hmm, 
I'm not sure this is aging well. Um, but I don't know. Clearly, I, I'm, I may be in the minority, or I don't know. Who knows? Um, I do want to give a little, um, uh, just a little quick uh, update based on they shoot pictures. You know, the culmination of all the lists ever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it has uh, Fight Club as Fincher's top movie, and then Seven, and then Zodiac, and then Social Network. Those are the four. Dude, that is exactly mine. If you just switch zodiac and social network that would be mine interesting yeah Yeah, mine would uh, be mine would be fight club seven social network well you're uh you're you're right there with with uh the tastemakers then wow look at that i'm a tastemaker myself guys Mm -hmm. Um, congratulations (laughs) that doesn't even doesn't even fucking sound good um (laughs) so okay girl with a dragon tattoo uh we talked about it episode 99 with special guests uh, check it out if you have it. Uh, so yeah, we're not Lauren, gonna... Lauren Teixeira was kind enough to come on and talk about some uh, Stellan Skarsgård Norwegian cinema with us, and we talked about that there. Um, and honestly, this movie fucking owns. I, I, I remember talking about it pretty highly, and that hasn't changed. I really enjoyed it. I uh, I had never seen it whenever we watched it for that episode. Either I hadn't seen it or I couldn't remember it, one of the two. Uh, but dude, I thought it was great, and I revisited it for this episode just because I wanted to, and there's the one off-putting scene that we've discussed at length um, that I felt probably shouldn't have been in there. But uh, everything else was cool, man. I thought this was just a fun movie. I This movie gets better every time I watch it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can agree with that. I think I liked it more this time around. I, uh, you know, every time I've watched it since, and like this time, I was really high on it, man. I, I mean, I'm... I'm going to be honest. I think this might be my second favorite David Fincher movie. Like, honestly, like I, I know the scene, the sexual assault scene, and he's, you know, again, he's up to his old tricks of just rubbing our faces in it way too much. Um, aside from that, man, this is a movie that really gets to the, I mean, I'm not going to go off on a whole big thing because we talked about it, but this is a movie that really gets down to the heart of evil. It is not, it is not reveling in this shit at all. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I think this movie is really, really fucking good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about it other than that, but I, I just, it, it feels to me almost like a, the natural follow-up to Zodiac and maybe, maybe the only follow-up to Zodiac, the only movie that really feels like Zodiac to me in his filmography, like bogged down in procedure and in, you know, and eventually you know, he, he has to overcome procedure and just kill the guy in his fucking underground dungeon layer, you know? Um, I don't know. Wild ass movie, man. I, I, I really am growing to admire this movie a lot. I think this is my second favorite venture movie. I really do. I definitely think it puts him this and social network more. So this, like you said, puts him back on the path of being venture again, uh, mm-hmm. after a curious case of Benjamin button, which once again, right. the least venture movie that's ever finched. It was right. not, it was just not a Fincher movie. Um, so social network proving to be an outlier too, I think. Yeah, um, I agree. Not as much obviously, but stylistically. Um, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah. That's yeah. That was kind of a hot take that I had where I was like, Oh my God, this like, I'm enjoying this exactly as much as I was enjoying Zodiac. Um, I don't know. Hey, man, I drag- can't really argue. I think it's fucking awesome. I really, I, when I watched it, you know, I was, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. And this time around, I was like, man, this really does. This fucking owns. It's eerie. And just the setting and that, I mean, 
man, that cold setting and the, you know, just the whole thing, man, it really is. And the, the, the island full of Nazis that just, you know, tell me that hasn't gotten more relevant as the years have gone by, you know, like just yeah, tell me about it. I live in Florida. <laughs> right. Big island full of Nazis. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about it a lot on that episode that we mentioned, but man, what a good movie this is. And I think it, I think it's aging really, really well. Um, yeah, I think that's the most impressive thing, how well it's aged. So. Yeah. Anyways. Um, less, uh, so we've got Gone Girl and Mank left. The Killer, obviously, very recent. We just discussed that. Episode 211, if you want to hear more on The Killer. That is his most recent Netflix movie. Came out last year. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. This, is, this might be a hot take. I don't know. Hmm. But Gone Girl kind of fucking sucks. Really? I, you know, okay. I remember watching it in theaters because I've only seen it twice. Watched it in theaters, watched it for this episode. I remember watching it in theaters. and Everybody was fucking freaking out because Jillian Flynn, I believe is her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure the book's great. I've talked to many people who say the book's fucking awesome. I've never read, I've read it. The I, book. Have no, I have no interest in Is the book good? Yeah, the book's really good. Okay. I've heard she's a great writer. This is not on her. This is on just Fincher and just the fact that I didn't like the movie. Um, I, I watched it and I, and I came out of the theater convincing myself I liked it because I was like, I got to like Fincher. Mm. You know, it's Fincher. It's just, I, I'm, a, I'm a fucking movie lover. I'm a somewhat of a cinephile. Sure. I, can't, I can't dislike this new Fincher movie. So then <laughs> over the years, I'm like, I don't think I liked it. And then revisiting it, I'm like, no, I don't like it. There's, this movie is bitter. It's, it's, it left a bad taste in my mouth. I, uh, I'm just not a fan. I don't know. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but that's my take. I will say this to me, this is a movie that I thought a lot about whenever I was watching the killer and kind of thinking about it. Um, to me, the killer almost kind of returns Fincher to maybe this track that he was on. Um, you know, because I thought, I thought, okay, after social network, he's just getting back to doing a bunch of fun genre movies and that's fine. But then Dragon Tattoo, again, seems more mature by the day. And, you know, Gone Girl and The Killer, I think, are kind of almost like standard genre movies that I I really kind of enjoyed. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I've seen it twice, too. Watched it in theaters. Watched it again uh, for this episode. Um, I really liked it, but I didn't have a lot to say about it. I thought it was, you know, I think there's a little bit of depth there with the kind of... Um, you know, bourgeois like uh, lifestyle and how they meet in New York. And, you know, then they, you know, have this, this awful marriage when they move to St. Louis or whatever. And, you know, I I think there's a little bit there, not much, but I do think it is. um, I think it's mostly just kind of a fun genre movie and like a yarn on the, you know, the missing woman, missing wife thing. And I think this is low key. One of Affleck's best performances, dude. He is so fucking good as the husband. Like, dude, that moment when they're like, is he smiling? What the fuck is he smiling for? I was just like, oh my God, dude. Affleck was born to play this. Like, like Affleck's life has basically turned out to be this husband. You know what I mean? Like, like people like posting paparazzi pictures of him, like going back to his house with like a stack of like Dunkin' Donuts coffees and being in the car with Jennifer Lopez and just looking like the most miserable person imaginable, you know, like, like his life has weirdly turned out like his character did in this movie. Um, 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree that it's a. I can't disagree it's a good performance. And I mean, dude, it's a well-made movie. Roseman Pike is great. The the yeah. idea is great. The concept of it, um, I think it really does like kind of subvert expectations a bit. I think she did a really good job with toying with the genre tropes in general. Um, it just wasn't for me. I can't explain it. It's just one of the. Occasionally, it happens, man. Occasionally, it happens with with these directors that we somewhat like or sometimes love and a movie just doesn't click. And this movie does not click for me. I get that. I do. Um, I liked it. I think it's a fine enough thriller, um, but I, I don't think it's anywhere near the top of his filmography, including even going back to it, including, you know, fight club and seven, even though I did have little minor complaints about those movies. I don't think this is anywhere near those much less, something like Zodiac or dragon tattoo. Yeah, I don't, I agree. I think it's a good movie though. I like it. Um, yeah, like I said, it's not a bad movie. I would never say, I would never tell somebody not to watch it, but it's just, it's not, it's not for me. Um, and talking about something that's not for me, let's talk about Mank. Oh, thank God. I'm so glad you don't like Mank. If you'd like to Mank, I'd really would have to just, I don't Dude, know. Another movie that, two things miss the mark and i have this is not good for podcasting nothing to say about this movie it's total fucking garbage it was garbage on every possible level every thing about this movie that should have mattered didn't matter G- gary oldman was terrible okay first before i insult it mank is about you say what it's about. This is your thing. This is your favorite age. Your guy with Orson Welles. What God, is Mank about? I don't even fucking know what it's about. It's about the guy who wrote Orson Welles, basically. Um, and it's about full disclosure. I did not watch this again for this movie. Um, I watched uh, some like features and making ofs uh, and some clips on YouTube just to refamiliarize myself with how fucking awful this thing looks. Um, and I read the Wikipedia plot, but I'm not watching this fucking movie again. Um, yeah, it's basically about uh, the guy who wrote Citizen Kane uh, and about how he uh, keeps uh, basically Bernie Sanders from getting elected in California somehow. It's such an insane plot. Um, yeah, it's I don't know, man. I don't know where to start with this. Shit. I mean, first of all, I guess I guess we can talk about how it looks. I mean, dude. Yeah, there's there, that's the thing. There's nowhere to start. There's no there's nothing cohesive. There's nothing that fucking matters in this movie. The black and white is garbage. Like when you look at like, what was it? The Coen brother movie. He did his own thing. Uh, Macbeth uh, a couple years uh, ago. Oh, I was going to say the man who wasn't there, but yeah, Macbeth too. Well, I'm talking about a more recent one, yeah. you know, where, where, where black and white is not, you know, very much. So not the norm. He fucking nailed it. That black mm-hmm. and white dude, it was weaponized. I, I loved it. The way he did it, it was beautiful. It, it had, character and meaning and this dude was oppenheimer ugly. oppenheimer too yeah uh, and i'll tell you this a movie we both fucking hated uh uh maestro did black and white better than fincher yeah. in this movie. Uh, yeah that's a good point too i mean I, this movie jumps around it, it tells this story none of the scenes are convincing i never like i don't give a shit about this idiot at a dinner party like defending and 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 talking like, you know, the fighting for the common man or that the whatever message it's trying to do or, you know, you don't you don't have to fucking bend over backwards to be like, you know what? Hitler's not a good guy. OK, right. I know that's a weird stand to take, 
But <laughs> it's a bold take, but you know, I'm this confident movie was enough just, to say it. It was just bad. I didn't like it. I didn't like any of it. And honestly, I like I said, I don't I don't have an, anything to say. I just it's a bad movie. Don't watch it. Like Yeah, I, I really hate this movie. I mean, you know, it it, it <laughs> I don't say that a lot about a lot of movies. <laughs> I mean <laughs> really like i you know but i really fucking hate this movie like it's such a like the fact that he treated it as like a prestige project and like netflix gave him all this money and he made this screenplay that was written by his dad and like i'm sorry but it's a complete takedown of orson wells and dude i if you are a film director and you have some kind of strange beef with orson wells i have no time for you like i'm sorry dude but like if you can't i mean if you can't acknowledge and respect that you know orson wells was a genius and probably the first like quote-unquote modern personal film director then dude you're i mean you're just you know it's like you're too stupid to even really consider your ideas about anything you know what i mean and like and the thing about it is you don't have to have a ton of film knowledge to even understand how much he meant to the art form you just don't but but it's like if you don't know, you know what I mean? Like you're let's say you're a new I'm not saying you have to know everything about Orson Welles and be in love yeah. with him or whatever. Like if you're a new director or whatever, but clearly Fincher knows enough to be like I'm going to make a movie that takes down Orson Welles. And it's like, dude, you know who doesn't need taken down? Orson Welles, right? It's not like like last time I checked uh the estate of Orson Welles wasn't uh you know what I mean? Like the guy's fucking dead and like he's not like he's not exactly the most famous movie director ever. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to take him down a peg. Somebody needs to take you down a peg, buddy. Like, I I don't know, man. I just, I fucking hate this movie. And Gary Oldman, dude, dude, this guy has been phoning it in ever since like the first time he played Churchill, man. This guy is a great actor who is clearly so clearly coasting. Like, yeah, he, I agree. He, he's been phoning it in for I don't know how long, man, but it is. And I'll, I'll tell you this, a great Amanda Seyfried performance completely wasted. Like she was good. I agree. Yeah, she's good. Dude, Marion Davies is the perfect role for her. And I know, like I said, this is my bullshit. This type of stuff I like. But Marion Davies is such an interesting character because she was William Randolph Hearst's kept woman. But she was also a really interesting and talented comedian. She was really funny. She had a real interesting screen presence, but she was just kind of like um, hemmed in by him and his, his all his power, you know? And she's a really interesting... Well, first of all, I think Seifert is probably miscast as Marion Davies. You know, she, she was more like a Rachel McAdams type in real life. She wasn't like a, a blonde, buxom you know, screen siren like Amanda Seyfried is, but still Amanda Seyfried gives a great performance and this is complete. It's completely washed down the drain. Um, I don't fucking know, man. I, I went on a big rant when this movie came out, so I'm not, I'm not going to do it again, except for I maybe already have, but dude, yeah, I just, I hate this shit. <laughs> like, and the fact that you made it for Netflix, it's like, what are you doing, man? What are you like? What are you doing? I don't know. Well, I mean, that, that's the thing, man. It's like, I did this because, A, we haven't talked about Fincher, and we should have talked about Fincher. Regardless of, of personal feelings on Fincher, uh, the man's done a lot in cinema. And is his reputation earned? 
I mean, dude, who the fuck am I? I'm not. This, this is clearly just podcast bullshitting. This isn't any any type of critique on something that I I don't do. I don't make movies, but I would say yes. I would say that he is like when I look at his filmography, you've got you've got heavy hitters. You've got the game, which is entertaining. Not my favorite, but entertaining. Dude, sevens. I mean, fantastic to me. Fight Club's fantastic. You know, uh, Zodiac. You've already said it was brilliant. I liked it too. The Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. You said it's your second favorite Fincher movie. The dude has more hits than misses, and those hits are home runs. They're huge fucking hits. They're not tiny. They're not base hits. They're out-of-the-park home runs. So love him or hate him, I'm sorry. The dude, like, the movies that he has that I love outweighs any hate that I could have for Mank or Gone Girl or anything else. So he's made... um... 12 movies, right? And I'm just speaking for myself here, obviously not for us as a podcast, but he's made he's made 12 movies. I would say I think he's made two legitimate masterpieces, right? And then and that that would be I'm just I'm just I'm just planting my flag on Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I, I don't, you know, I don't even know if I really feel that way, but let's just say that I do. And Zodiac. Um and then I'm going to say he's, aside from those two masterpieces, I think he's made one, two, three great movies. I'm going to say seven, Fight Club, and Social Network, right? So now we're down to uh, seven movies. Uh, one of the, or one, Game, Panic Room, uh, Gone Girl, and The Killer, entertaining, right? That's four. And I think he's made three duds. His first movie... Uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button and Mank. Those would be the three duds, I would say. See, um, I would push back on Benjamin Button being a dud, but yeah, I'm not gonna really like. I'm not gonna die on that hill. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's just that's just like I didn't think that through. That's you know, what I mean, that's just like it, just looking at his filmography. That's that's kind of what I get, and you know, um, and because I uh, because I like to look at this stuff, uh. On they shoot pictures. They have a list of the hundred or the two hundred and fifty greatest film directors of all time. Uh, he's ranked, and then they have a list of the greatest directors of the twenty first century. Uh, so of all time, they have him ranked one twenty one. I guess that seems right. I don't know. Do you know? Do uh, I know? Yeah, he's too yeah. low. No, I, I. It's hard to even wrap my head around it. Now I've got to think of a hundred and twenty directors. I know, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't know. Is yeah. That, Probably. I mean, if I even if I even attempt to do this, it's going to turn into a whole thing and it's just going to turn into me riding on the window like Goodwill hunting and it's going to ruin my life. Or like Mark Zuckerberg. Um, Yeah, Yeah, that too. uh, Top directors of the 21st century. He's number 29. Okay, that feels right. Yeah, Yeah. I can't disagree with that either. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Those are consensus opinions. You know, not that they're ours, but um, I mean, dude, yeah. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm going to rewatch a few of his movies and I'm going to rewatch them often. You know, Fight Club, Seven, Social Network. Um, you know, it's just it's just one of those things. So, yeah. I, do do I love him? Uh, no, I think he's not. Like I said, I think he's an asshole um, on a personal level. But his his art, I do think there's a little bit of. Is it is he is he that guy, you know, is right. he? Is he, you know, are, are you, are you, is he him, you know? Yeah. Um, 
But at the end of the day, I don't have to care because I love Fight Club and I love Seven. So, so yeah, I'm glad movies. we talked about him. You know, he made some good movies. He's made some great movies. I'm glad we talked about him. And uh, and now I feel like, you know, there's there's really only one other super high profile, you know, filmmaker we haven't discussed. And and that's the Coen Brothers. So Ooh, who knows? Interesting. Who knows what's going to happen? I thought you were going to say PTA, but yeah, you're right. Coen Brothers. I mean, PTA is up there, but I mean, I guess to me, my upper echelon, like it would be like, and the Coen Brothers, I can't even explain why we haven't discussed them. We did a guest episode that we already talked about, guys, that, that the recording fell through and we weren't able to, to do it, but, um, but, uh, or post, I should say. But I mean, yeah, the Coen Brothers, for me, they're on, they're on Mount, my, my Mount Rushmore. You know, I love the Coen Brothers. So at some point, we'll have to tackle them. But I'm glad we did Fincher. I'm glad we, we got it out there. Hey, he's done. He's in the can. Anybody wants to know anything about motherfucking David Fincher? Then uh, listen to these two episodes. You know, we didn't even talk about his uh, his notorious shooting style of shooting every fucking scene for 40 times. Um, yeah, because it just makes me mad. Fucking throwing a stunt guy down the stairs 90 times just to <laughs> use the first take. Go fuck yourself, Fincher. You know, um, also uh, pay close attention to how many direct how many actors have worked with him twice. It's not many yeah. folks. <laughs> it's true. It's true. People so, hate working with this motherfucker. So, I mean, the only, I guess the only thing I have is I wanted to save it till the end. I do have new information on the Zodiac killer. Oh, you do. Okay. I Let's do. hear it. I do. Well, I can't clearly, I can't disclose it here. I just wanted to let you guys know I have new information on the Zodiac killer. Oh, I got you. Put yourself kind of out there as a target in case he wants to maybe to lure him in. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Um, well, Zodiac, if you're out there, come get us, buddy. Come put. Yeah. yeah. Hey, sorry. Come my be- house doesn't have a wheelchair ramp, so I feel pretty safe. Zodiac <laughs> killer. Also, the uh, technology for uh, uh, to revive the dead doesn't exist, so we probably don't have to worry about it. But in all seriousness, guys, uh, we are going to be taking a break uh, for the next two weeks. So. For all of our hardcore fans out there, we know there are so many that can't get through the week without our voices. Uh, Go back and re-listen to some old episodes. God knows we have a lot of them. Um, But we are going to take two weeks off. So we will be returning uh, on March 6th. It's going to be crazy. Fucking crazy it's going to be March. Um, Yeah, and, you know, just I know you're trying to, you know, be, I don't know. I know you're trying to be a little circumspect and not tell everybody my business, but I mean, it's fine. I have no problem telling people that I did get a gig, uh, writing for the Oscars. I'll be writing jokes for the Oscars. Um, I get to write one joke and it has to be about the me too movement. So that's, um, they're going to fly me out there. It's going to be a whole big thing. And, uh, and yeah, so, uh, you know, hopefully I'll, uh, you know, you guys will get to see uh, a joke written by, uh, your favorite silver screen video host on the Oscars this year. Hmm. It's interesting. It's the first time I'm hearing of this. Yeah, it's a, you know, I don't want to mention, you know, just you don't jealousies want to make and yeah, jealousies, yeah, yeah. egos, you know, like that, that whole thing. So, um, well, good luck. The Me Too is a very easy topic to write a joke about, especially with the uh, Barbie climate you'll be writing it for. Uh, oh, so I'm have fun. <laughs> I've got a great joke about the movie Barbie being only about boobs. Do you think that'll go over well? You know, I think they're going to ask for a little more. Not much more, just a little more. (laughs) All right, well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. 
Anyway, guys, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, two weeks, we'll be back. So make sure you check out some of our older episodes if you haven't. Because uh, I promise you, every one of them, fantastic. So, uh, we'll listen to them twice, actually. Yeah. yeah I would say. Do that. But uh, anyway, I'm glad we did Fincher. I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're done with this. So uh, do you have anything to add before we get out of here? Nope. Let's wrap it up. Guys, thanks for stopping by the Silver Screen video. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen. really helps us out with the algorithm. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. All of our details are in the show notes. And we will see you in two weeks back at the Silver Screen video. Yeah.